Yes, yes, it is DJ Ski from Dash Radio, and you are now listening to the number one South Asian radio station in the world. I'm talking about Ruckus Avenue Radio, Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian station. Let's go. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle. And as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by Rushi Roy, the co-founder and CEO of Avrani, an Indian-inspired beauty brand. Stay tuned. Like a lot of us, I'm guided by rituals, some of them new and many that have been ingrained by my background or just by repetition. Speaking of repetition, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with your friends, for subscribing to the podcast and for following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydandekar. So these rituals, especially for self-care and beauty, can go from feeling weird or quirky to being simply shunned to rediscovery and then being accelerators of self-esteem and identity. I mean, I can still hear my mom telling me to put various traditional home ingredients on my own acne, first thinking it was bizarre, and then finding myself a believer, and now of course going full circle, encouraging my kids to do the same. So it sometimes takes a reconciliation and a grappling with who you are, who you were, and the confidence to embrace a path forward with who you aspire to be. This is perhaps the journey of Rushi Roy, who is the co-founder and CEO of Avrani, an Indian-inspired beauty brand. Rushi spent a lot of time with her family, learning about a variety of beauty rituals, and going through that same cycle of grappling with how to own these as part of her identity, reimagining them and integrating them personally, and then developing it in business and as an entrepreneur. She launched the Avrani brand in 2020 as a product of her own story as a first-generation Indian American, as a reconnection to her heritage, and as a celebratory and respectful representation of dualities and unique identities. We caught up for a conversation to talk about the aha moments and the realizations about herself and her business. But we started talking about how being from Michigan in the Midwest continues to inform her. Wow, that's a really great question. I would say Michigan and the Midwest in general is just a very different culture and lifestyle than I would say the East and West Coast. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm proud of being from the Midwest because that culture around family values and just a culture around harmony and, and community is just a lot more embedded in the yeah. people and just everything in the Midwest. And so it was definitely uh, an adjustment for me to get used to the East Coast style. And even when I, every time I come home successively, my mom's always like, you're so New York now. <laughs> like The way I have no patience for anything. And, you know, the, the person at the checkout will have a whole conversation about the weekend. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. Because I'm just constantly in that mindset. So in that kind of way, um, it reminds me of the Midwest the most in my day-to-day -day life when I sort of realize I'm just rushing for no reason or in a hurry for no reason. Yeah. And I just become a little bit more conscious of when I get that way and then just try to remind myself to take a deep breath and slow it down. Sort of looking at your watch and saying, okay, I got to be less New York and a little bit more Michigan. 
right? Exactly. Like the today, even I, I was walking down the street to drop off some uh, boxes at USPS and there, there was a couple walking very slowly in front of me. And I caught myself getting very irritated, like anticipating when they would drop off so I could just pass, pass them or, or whatever. And I caught myself, I'm like, where are you going? That's so important. Like, what, what, is, what are you doing? That's so much better than wherever they're going. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh, I've got to, I've got to remind myself to slow down because it can get really easy to get caught up and, and lose sight of that. Well, and I wonder if that does change the sort of Brown experience, right? So like, you know, now add making an additive to that in being an Indian American or growing up in that in an Indian American family professionally now, has there been some extra that says, well, no, I'm not just from Michigan and have that mid- Midwest sort of sensibility and that that sense of community. But in fact, I'm a Indian American from that. I'm not an Indian American from, say, the East or the West Coast. Is there maybe a difference that you notice in, in actually that part of it as well? Um, not so much in a way that I could isolate. I yeah. would say again, in, in just the way you articulated, like, I'm not just from the Midwest. I also have this Indian culture. I feel that way about like 16 more things, right? Like I'm also a woman and I'm also like have this finance experience, whatever it might be. There are a lot of just vectors that I feel like make me who I am and, yeah. and make me unique. I think the beautiful part of what I do now and, and sort of where I've defined my purpose is it's all harnessed from my my culture and my identity and, and yeah. how I how I appreciate that through the lens of a modern woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Uh, so it, it very much is is weaved through everything, but I, I I wouldn't say that there's like, you know, a discrete quality that I would attribute to it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And and I wonder in, in your case, especially now taking this forward to working and, and founding and being a CEO of, of Rani, do you remember that sort of aha moment in thinking about all these components of your identities or, um, you know, the things that make you who you are? Do you, do you remember that aha moment that sort of brought uh, of Rani to life? Yes, I do. And, and there were two that are the are sort of equally important. I think the first one was when I met my co-founder and that happened on the second day of school. We were pursuing our MBAs in in Philadelphia and he was telling me about his experiences also in finance where, where I had come from at the time. And his experience was investing specifically in beauty uh, and his most recent investment was in a Japanese inspired brand where that founder brought these Japanese ingredients like matcha, charcoal, rice bran oil to the U.S. in a luxury format. And I was just like, wait a minute. There are so many Indian ingredients and rituals that I grew up creating, using with my grandmothers in Kolkata, with my mom in Michigan that just have not transcended the Indian population or the Indian community whatsoever. And in fact, growing up doing those things, I myself didn't attribute that to beauty necessarily. I thought it was sticky, messy, time consuming. It wasn't a ritual for me. I was like trying to fit into the Midwest standard of beauty and and none of that like um, overlapped with it. So I, uh, I had that first aha moment in that conversation. And that was also the conversation that just 
took off into starting Avrani. We transferred all of our business school tuition into a joint savings account, took out loans and, and just got started right away. Yeah. Um, I'd say the second aha moment was in the summer of 2019. And this is two years later. We just graduated, moved to New York from Philly or back to New York. And I had this feeling of like, oh my God, I'm an entrepreneur and that's it now. Like I'm not just a business school student trying to explore a fun project. Like this is who I am. I've got to be ready to, you know, be my own salesperson, my own resume, my own best advocate. And I didn't feel that way about the brand that I had created at the time. And so that aha moment was, okay, if I'm going to do something where I'm dedicating my whole life to it, it's got to be authentic and represent who I am and all the all yeah. the parts of my identity that I had never really been aware of or proud of before. So that was the second one. Well, and as Avrani blends sort of so much into one, right? The tradition of things done in the past with mm-hmm. the business sensibility that that you grew to to learn and, and now really sort of embrace in that second aha moment, did that help you to personally sort of merge uh, the two worlds uh, together? hundred percent. Yes. So it, it was the, the business opportunity that compelled me to finally ask myself, like, who are you? How, how do you identify? What is your interpretation of the Indian American experience? And, and yeah. what does that look like from the perspective of an Indian beauty brand. And even that alone was uh, challenging because I never considered myself a a beauty enthusiast whatsoever growing up. I, I of course, dabbled in makeup here and there, but I wasn't really even allowed to use it. And so I never thought I would be a beauty brand founder. And even getting past that hump of self-acceptance, like understanding that that's meaningful, that's worthy, and it's who I am took me a whole year to get around right. because right. I, I didn't want people to think I was silly or stupid or just like, Oh, this cute girl making some products to make her feel pretty. Like I had gotten that kind of yeah. uh, feedback as we had started fundraising and all that. And I'm like, that is not me. I'm this educated businesswoman who's serious. And it's just like so many parts of my identity and my own perspective. I had to tap into and really explore in order to create the brand that I wanted. In, in that same kind of spirit of legitimacy, right? The just saying, "Hey, look, this is this is real. It's not a game." And, and also, even for those who are new to the concept, whether it's beauty, whether it's you know heritage, and taking it seriously. You know, my wife's a Ayurvedic practitioner, and she's a family physician also, and she always reiterates about integrating it into a sort of more modern philosophy of say western medicine in this way and and making it a point that it's a living and breathing philosophy or an entity and not just this sort of ancient or classic piece or practice how has that resonated so far in being able to take and merge those sort of traditions and rituals into say a beauty product it's it's been challenging yeah. <laughs> um, uh, both from a product perspective and a marketing positioning perspective from the product perspective we we want to still be innovative and different it's not just about bottling up something that exists it's about elevating it and bringing it to the next level so for example your classic Colby mask or turmeric mask that we make at home it's not just about getting it to a shelf stable format you know so it's 
you can reuse it and put it in your vanity. But it's also about making sure it doesn't stain the skin, which is a huge pain point for a homemade healthy mask. And you can't even use it the day of of a big event, let's say, because the stain will still linger. And so these kind of innovations are are difficult, right? Like that took a whole year of R&D for us to go through iterating on formulas and then getting the trade secret on that formula. It was a whole time and money expense there. And then from a positioning perspective, uh, it's not that we're really doing anything new, right? Like the fact that we can lean on so many centuries of Ayurvedic wisdom is a double-edged sword because it gives us almost a cheat code to to what ingredients to use and and what to start with. But at the same time, what is the thing that's going to make it different than somebody else doing that? Because they have access to that same wisdom. Uh, And so I sort of realized that in order to stand out and really pioneer Indian beauty or holistic beauty as its own category, we have to be something even more than just excellent product. It has to be a a vibe and a brand that people haven't seen before that they naturally gravitate towards that sort of starts a momentum and a movement that we haven't seen before out of the Indian community and beyond. Well, and, and as the brand and as the movement and as all of this permeates even further and it grows in many ways, sort of the prominence of the South Asian American experience has expanded and expanded yes. rapidly, right? Over the last couple of years. And, and I wonder if that, therefore, the duality of everything gets much easier. It is the mystique of sort of a, a beauty secret or a beauty ritual, does that mystique have a tendency to fade and sort of simply blend into the the sort of cultural zeitgeist as it as it goes forward? That's a good question. I mean, I I still think there's a lot of room to grow in terms of just even educating non-Indians on Ayurveda or very basic things. Like if you think about it, even turmeric only just became trendy or popular in yeah. the last five years. And sure. that's you know, a staple in in Ayurvedic wisdom. So there's a lot of room to grow. I think we're at a point where the audience is captive. They're open and willing to explore other cultures and interact with them, engage with them. Like this wouldn't have worked 10 years ago, I don't think, right? Like we had to have, it has to be the right time for this. So I, I think we're far from it becoming a saturated notion, anything with Ayurveda. You know, for you, you mentioned that this was not something that like you had been doing for so long or thinking about for so long as sort of like this beauty as being a, a or even lifestyle or for that matter, skincare being something that is was inherently something you had a great interest in. And what is working in the beauty industry? What has it taught you about imperfection? Because I'm so curious about like, you know, the idea that we're we're trying to attain a certain look or image or or this strive towards even a personal perfection for you what's it taught you in some ways about all the imperfections that we go through yes i'm really glad you asked i've never been asked that question before i think what i've learned the most is that the beauty industry at large globally preys on your insecurities and your the way you interpret imperfections and the fact that you even call them imperfections versus perfections, right? right? Right. Who is to decide what that is or like what that standard is. And 
as I've sort of been working on this for the last now over four years, I sort of realized that it's not just a different product I want to create. It's a whole different imagination of what beauty really means. Because as you just referenced, I didn't grow up associating these beauty rituals with beauty necessarily. And I think that therein lies the opportunity because the pursuit of wellness should be the pursuit of beauty. That the things we do that are good for us are what make us look and feel beautiful, appear beautiful to others. The fact that we are eating the right things, exercising, nurturing our mental health, all of those things foster beauty from the inside out, right? Like if if you have the most exquisite lineup of makeup and skincare, but you hate yourself, you're never going to feel beautiful. Right. So changing that narrative, I feel like is a huge opportunity. I can't believe it hasn't been done yet. Yeah. And I understand why it hasn't been done because it's much easier to make money off of making people think they're inadequate. But I think there's still a huge opportunity in changing the narrative and then capitalizing on more of a spirit of abundance versus a, a spirit of, of lacking. Well, is there, is it important to tap into this notion that there's a great grace and joy to, in fact, acceptance and in, in many ways, sort of embracing that wellness journey, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, but that you have the trust and confidence in yourself to simply be? Yes. Yes. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The thing that I'm trying to actually frame out in writing right now, because it's like swirling in my mind. I was going to say, because that, that's a hard thing to put into a mission statement for a company. <laughs> so, so we're literally in this moment, like this morning, I had this conversation with my co-founder. So I haven't talked about this yet externally. Yeah. Uh, so bear with me. But I think there, there's a link between basic self-esteem and beauty. And what you said about self-acceptance, that is one of the stepping stones from self-esteem to beauty. Because in order... So it it starts with the self-awareness first, which lots of people already don't have, right? So we're we're, we're chipping away at like a journey. Starts with self-awareness. Then is self-acceptance. It's I'm aware of good, bad, beautiful, ugly, whatever you want to call it. But I accept it for what it is and move on. Then comes the self-care. Because once you accept who you are, you want to nourish all the good things, right? You want to preserve it. You want to make the best of it. And that self-care comes in the form of not just beauty products, but the fact that I'm going to journal now or exercise or, you know, nurture my friendships, whatever that might be. And that self-care leads or greeds beauty. And it's a cycle that doesn't end after you buy a product or finish a product. It's a cycle that you're sort of on for your whole life. And you're just kind of elevating it all of the time. None of us are like confident on a switch and then, oh, I never have to worry about anything again or what anyone else ever says, right? We're constantly tested on our own self-esteem. And I feel that that being innately linked to how we look and feel is is so important for people to understand. And that to me is really what beauty is. You know, I I think about um, how social media and our external presentation often captures just purely the highlight reel and and Mm -hmm. beauty that is in some ways because of social media is 
is so democratized now and that, you know, what that can look like can, can actually take a variety of different frames and a variety of different iterations and incarnations. And, and in some ways, the runway becomes accessible to just about, about anyone. Is there a role for companies like yours or even um, leaders like you um, to message or, you know, to really create routines for those non-highlight real moments? Right. For the, those moments that are, are every day, there's no camera around. There's no selfie being taken. Is it important to, to make sure that that's part of the mission and to activate and accelerate that as well? Absolutely. It's what, what you asked. I mean, embedded in that is a, a circle because we're still on social media having to get the message. But the way to, to establish or grow a platform is through things that unfortunately aren't always the things that you want to say out front. Do you know what I mean? Like the the messages have to be packaged in a way that's still digestible the way that people see the world today. You know what I mean? And so it's very, very important to me what we started doing, for example, on this theme of self-esteem, as I've started to understand how important it is for beauty Beauty with a capital V. I wanted to integrate that with the brand on social media as much as I could. So, as an example, with one of our products, the Balance Restoring Serum, we have a hug yourself and your skin, where as you're pressing the serum into your skin, you say words of affirmation into the mirror. And we have videos of influencers doing it. We created our own tutorial on YouTube on it. We'll talk about it frequently on social. So like little ways we can integrate this sense of the holistic part of beauty back into beauty. We're trying to do that. But I have to be honest with you, that is my biggest challenge right now. Of How can we scale this in a way that people can actually receive? Because we can always be uh, super high and mighty about it. Right. But then that's that's also not appealing, right? So it's a dance. No. And in that same dance, you know, you've written and you've shared about how some of your own experiences with your mom or your grandmother applying sort of uh, items to your face and, and sort of like the the messiness of it, or, or for that matter, the, the nostalgia of that um, in inspiring some of this stuff. Do you think your mom or your grandma would be the ones who are doing these daily affirmation phrases as well? No. No, this would definitely be the the audience in the U.S. today, Gen Z and millennial person predominantly who who could use this mantra or this sort of perspective around self-care more than anyone. Well, and, and with that, I mean, I saw one of the Instagram posts where you're, you're sort of embracing and owning a decision um, where you're wearing a dress that your mom didn't want you to wear. You know, how does Avrani then play to um, manage to tap into that sort of traditional wisdom and own it, though, with a sense of sort of this personal empowerment that like, look, I, I get it. The, the history and the heritage of what goes behind it is there. But in some ways, you're sort of taking it and you're running with it in a different direction. Um, right. And, and that, that's the, the magic of the brand. And yeah. that's what we're, what we're trying to do of not just being this excellent product and, um, 
efficacious skincare solution, right? From a very objective perspective, but this thing that people gravitate towards in a way that's much bigger than product. It's, it's a lifestyle thing. It's, It's something that they would want to aspire to all the time. Rushi, what throughout this process and given, you know, from both a, from a personal standpoint, a professional standpoint, the last year, year and a half have, have, you know, changed so much of, of how we think in general, but, you know, I'm curious, what about this journey for you? What are some of the lessons that you've learned about yourself and, and how you've grown and developed both as an entrepreneur, as a CEO and, and as a South Asian American in, in developing some of these ideas and concepts um, about, about you and sort of like your own identity beyond the aha moments that we we talked about earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole sort of journey, I would say over the last couple of years, as I've rebranded and now been much more aligned with who I am. And I sort of feel like I'm just kind of constantly seeking that now. And the business sort of grows in parallel to me trying to grow as an individual and as a person. Yeah. Um, so even when I think about the books I read now, like I started reading a lot of business books, right? Like your classic outliers or good to great or that kind of stuff, zero to one. Uh, but now I've been just reading a lot more about psychology and what you would call your traditional self-help books, which I would like to recategorize as self-care books. Yeah. Um, but but the the one I'm in right now, which is the six pillars of self-esteem, is a whole study around how to nurture, how to identify and nurture your own self-esteem. And I am trying to link that to beauty mm. in real time as I sort of create this the go forward mission. Uh, and so for me it was like I'm I'm always tapping into my insecurities and and weaknesses and pain points. I think one of the biggest milestones in my own journey has been the self-acceptance and the the fact that I'm now so painfully aware of where my gaps and and sort of setbacks are. I'm so much nicer to myself about mm-hmm. those things and I can understand like okay, everybody has things they're not great at. But how do you position yourself to be executing on the things you're great at most of the time? That's all you have to do. It's not that you actually have to be perfect. That's like a fake thing to aspire to. It's how do you create a life where you are drawing on your strengths, nurturing your strengths and growing them all of the time and growing the ones you want to grow. Maybe you're impatient and you don't care to fix Like who cares, right? You're impatient. And then... A a big part of that is also reframing that into understanding that the things that you think are not great about you are actually the things that fuel what is great about you. Like you don't get to pick only the good things in life. And so when I think about my own impatience, I'm like, well, if I didn't have that, I would probably be half as ambitious as I am today, right? Like it it fuels that a bit for me. And so all of this sort of like self-acceptance, which again, is very much a journey. I definitely do not have it figured out all and the way. And a continuing journey, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Accepting even that as its own yeah. case has been hugely helpful for me in my own framing of my day-to-day. And, and yeah. our intentions, our thoughts, like that is so important as an entrepreneur to make sure that you are even exposing yourself to the right things because 
if the mindset isn't like in tip top shape, your, your judgment is flawed and it's, it's influenced by that. And so I'm just ultra cautious now of making sure my headspace is calm and healthy and I'm making decisions in that headspace only. And if I can recognize I'm not there, I'm not making decisions. And so it's really helped me a lot. In In some ways, your own sort of self-acceptance, self-awareness, self-care, serving as sort of a proxy for the success of of your business. Yes, exactly. I'm sort of viewing my business now even as the output of this work for myself. What do you hope um, someone who's using your product for the first time and just getting introduced to you and Arani, what do you hope they take away? I was going to say something about the product, but I'll go higher level here. I hope they take away that they will never... Like beauty is not in that jar. Beauty is not in that product. They already have everything they need inside of them, right? And they are everything that they need and want. We are there to take who they already are and show the maximum potential of that beauty. But we are not that beauty ourselves. And I I want everybody who uses and engages with the Vrani or part of our community to one day understand that. What a terrific thought. And we're appreciative of it all. Much continued success to you. And I hope we get a chance to chat in the future. Of course. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thanks so much again, Rushi. And please visit avrani.com for more. It's Thanksgiving season in the U.S., and I'm incredibly thankful to everyone for the gift of reflection and sharing. If you have anything to share with us, drop us a note at info at Happy Thanksgiving. Until next time, I'm Abhaydandekar. Hi, this is Suraj Kundakuri from Brown People We Know. Listen to Ruckus Avenue Radio at dashradio.com and download the Dash Radio app for complete access 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to our station.